stinks. <laughs> and it has its downsides, but we won't talk about Stop. that. <laughs> Hi, I'm Rifki Silver. And I'm Alex Fletcher. And this is Normal From Women. The podcast where we embrace the complexities, nuances, and joys of from womanhood. Normal From Women is supported by Cleveland Kesher, a quarterly digest-sized glossy magazine that will keep you up to date with the happenings and opportunities in the From Cleveland community. Each issue is packed with advertisers, columns, upcoming events, community initiatives, and so much more. Issues are mailed to residences and delivered to schools, schools, and local businesses in Cleveland Heights, University Heights, Beechwood, and Wycliffe. The next issue is coming out in June and will be full of info for summer and for the Yamamunarayim. Contact Yocheved Weiland for advertising info at yweiland at clevelandkesher.com. That's Y-W-Y-L-E-N at clevelandkesher.com. Welcome back. It's been too long and we are so happy to be here with you on the podcast as we try to get our day-to-day lives back to normal, post-Pesach, whatever normal means, <laughs> and bring you another episode of Normal From Women. We hope all our listeners had a wonderful Pesach and that you all are feeling refreshed and ready for spring. It's so funny how Pesach has only eight days, but it feels like it takes at least eight weeks to put my kitchen back together. I'm still looking for stuff. Oh my God, I thought it was just me. No, every year. <laughs> it takes so long. <laughs> so on our Instagram, right after Pesach, I posted in our stories asking, what's something you want to take from Pesach and bring into your daily life? I, I loved that question. It was very thoughtful and we a really beautiful response to it. Yeah, I love our responses on our stories so much. So some of the responses were, you know, knowing when to ask for help, not making yourself a martyr, mm-hmm. you know, the notes about like relaxation and finding joy and more than a few ideas of wanting to take like the fresh, simple recipes from Pesach into our regular dinner menus also. Mm-hmm. And of course, then of course, a reference to chocolate, very important. <laughs> Yes, chocolate. I don't know. I feel like everyone eats so much chocolate on Pesach. It's like totally normal to buy 15 bars of chocolate. For sure. Don't forget chocolate leaven also. Different category. Oh, it's a lot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ask you, Alex, we're going to post the same question to you. What is one thing that you want to take from Pesach and bring into your daily life? It's interesting. There was an article that Rachel Koval wrote. You know, we talk about her a lot and she's she's been on the podcast and our social media episode. And there's this one very simple idea. And for whatever reason, it just stuck. Um, she shared that satisfaction in anything is commensurate with the effort that you invest in it. Mm-hmm. So obviously with like Pesach, there was just so much effort, you know, pre so and much. during. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like just, you know, how, I mean, how often are you like on your feet in the kitchen? It was just a lot, you know, a lot right. of work. But I think it's the most time-intensive holiday that we have. Really. Very time-intensive. And fi- I just found it very physically intensive also. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I kept thinking, like, instead of being, like, drowning in that physicality and the exhaustion of it, I just kept thinking, like, I am pushing and pushing and investing, investing, and, like, putting an effort into this. And the more I invest, the more greater my satisfaction is going to be when we're sitting down at our Yontif meal. and like, this is the meal I made. It doesn't have to be fancy, but like, this is what I worked hard to do. You know, buying the paper goods, once it's all there. And that mantra just kept going through my mind the entire Pesach and it literally uplifted 
all of the hard work. And I, I like this idea of just having like a thought or a theme or a mantra. And, you know, whether it's a theme of the week or the theme of like a hard time that I'm going through, but it, it absolutely added meaning and energized my experience. Oh, I love it. What about you, Rifki? Like, what would you want to take away from Pesach and bring into your daily life? Um, I think, as I don't have a mantra, although now I'm going to be thinking about what I want my mantra to be. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but, but the thing that I really found beneficial was preparing in advance so that I can be more present in the moment. Mm. Like I, when I'm distracted or trying to do too many things at once, you know, trying to like do dinner while I have like, you know, kids talking to me, et cetera, et cetera. I get really irritable. And then not only am I like missing out on potentially nice interactions with my family, but I'm just like not pleasant to be around. So mm-hmm. like, I get it. <laughs> I can relate. For Pesach, I did a lot of cooking and baking ahead of time and froze it. And mm-hmm. it made a really big difference. It was still obviously very busy, but just to have those things out of the way helped me just be more calm, enjoy Cholamorid more and things like that. How I'm bringing that into my daily life now is to basically my goal is to have dinner ready or at least thought about <laughs> before my kids come home from school. Mm-hmm. So this means like, you know, making the menu plan at the start of the week to, ha- to know what I'm going to be doing to make sure I have the ingredients that I need and the supplies I need. And I, this has been something I've been working on for a few years, actually. But I found that the more I'm able to actually do this than just the better quality of life I have in the afternoons and evenings. Hmm. I mean, it's so true. I never really thought about it, but like Yantiv meals, you show up to the meal. I mean, you made it, but like, you know, what's, what's being served. You're all planned out. And that definitely adds a a different element, right. To the whole experience. It's like, everyone knows what to expect versus it's seven o'clock on a Thursday night. And you're like, I'm just too tired to put anything together. And everyone's cranky. Exactly. Well, great. And I think this little conversation is a little bit of a, a sneak peek into what's to come in today's episode. You're going to be hearing some more from us, your host, Normal From Woman, as we interview each other. That's right. We really wanted our listeners to have an opportunity to get to know us a little better. And we hope by the end of this episode, you'll have learned a little bit more about us as your hosts and that that informs and adds insight to past and future episodes. Yes. Okay, Alex, you're up first. Okay. (laughs) We're going to ask each other some questions that we think our listeners might be curious about. So question number one, tell me about one major decision you made in your life and how you arrived at that decision. Okay. That's a biggie. I I mean, I'll I'll do this as long as I can ask the same thing to you later. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, one major, major decision that I made in my life. Um, I'm thinking about like actually when I decided what career track. I don't know if that's the right term, what job, what profession, what major, you know, what my Mm -hmm. educational track would be. Um, I think I came back from seminary, like very, you know, inspired, not brainwashed, but definitely inspired. (laughs) And, um, I spent a summer interning at HUK, that's Asia Torah branch in London. How did you get to London? How did that happen? That was really cool. So I was in Stern um, and one of my friends, her brother was the program director out there in, in London. Oh, cool. And I was telling her, like, at that time, I like wanted to marry a Kiro rabbi. I was like very into, I was doing partners in Torah in Manhattan, you know, Isha Torah and all these different things. And she's like, oh, and I also was at that time, you know, my undergraduate degree is in English communications, mm-hmm. um, with a focus on public relations. So she's like, my, I have the perfect shidduch for you. You know, like my, my, my brother-in-law runs 
Asia Tora in London, and they are looking for an intern to do their marketing. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I literally like, it was actually, it was the summer before I met my husband. I met my husband in that, that following winter, but hopped on a plane. I remember like crying to my parents. This was like the unknown. Like really, I was going to London. I knew no one. They were putting me up in some apartment with some other single girls. I am a British citizen, believe it or not, because my father's British. That's right. So, yeah, I have a British passport. So in a way that I was like excited about that. But I, I just showed up there and the, the epiphany really was in my, in my working there is I would be writing, sitting at the computer all day. You know, I was helping them write their... Um, what was it called at the time? Like a yearly report, you know, of all okay. of all of their events and things like that. And I was writing about all of their programming and it just hit me like, I don't want to be the one writing about these things. I want to be the one doing these things. Wow. And I still remember literally exactly where I was sitting, like when I had that realization. And I didn't go into Kirov, but I definitely less, I, I, I veered away from the writing PR communications. And then I decided to get a master's in Jewish education. Wow. And that, yeah, that was really like that key turning point. I then went to teach in a, um, non-religious community school where, yeah, where my students were not from. And I taught Lumide Kodesh and I also taught English, um, middle school. So I had the best of both worlds there. That really is. That's so fantastic. Yeah. And, um, and the funny thing is like now, now I'm back to my writing, you know, and I, I actually am taking I hiatus from teaching. I don't know how long, probably for a while I taught <laughs> in the classroom. Gosh, I taught, you know, 18 years or so. And just the grading and all that I'm sort of done. If I go back to administration or something like that, that, that I think would be my next foray into education, but Makes just sense. to wrap up, you know, it's just like, you make these decisions, but nothing is set in stone, you know, like, and now I'm back to plan A, which was, you know, writing. And now I, I work with Aisha over here in Cleveland as a volunteer doing programming. You know, it's, it's, it's exactly sort of all full circle. So that, that was, that was my, my decision. Oh, that's beautiful. And I love that how you illustrated kind of that throughout life. You know, sometimes I think that maybe when we're, when we're getting our degree or we're young and we are still embarking on our, you know, life journey, so to speak, like we think that it's going to be like this linear process that like, oh, I'm going to major in X and then I'm going to do X. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and the reality is that it's so much more fluid than that because life circumstances are always changing. And I love how you showed that you are using your skill set, but you've been so fluid in the way that you've been able to use it and that it's not, that's a bracha to be able to use your skill set in different ways throughout life as your life circumstances change. Yes, I hope so. And But there's a lack of stability in that. And for some people, they okay, like fair. working at the same school for 30 years. That could never have been me. You know what I mean? <laughs> this fair. fits me much more. So I exactly. you have, that you recognize it. Right. And you have to know yourself. Exactly. There's yes. different types and they're both and they're all normal, right? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so question number two is what is something that you struggle with in your Yiddishkeit? Okay. Actually sort of relates back to question number one back to those first seeds that were planted, I think, in seminary, Mm -hmm. where um, being inspired, feeling connection so strongly, right? Yeah. Definitely being in Israel. Like, I remember once davening shachars in my seminary and, like, saying Shona Esther and, like, saying Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov and realizing, looking out the window, that, like, we are in the land of Israel with Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Just that. I felt so connected, Right. Absolutely. And then like coming home and like, why would you ever sever that? Why would you, 
or why would I rather than what was going on <laughs> in my head? Why would you ever not dive in? How would you skip that? You love this. This is your lifeline. And as the years went by with more, you know, responsibilities and being an adult and other things that were important that then were added to my life, right? Before it's right. just you and your self-development and who and your identity and who you're becoming. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get married, you have children, you have jobs, you have other responsibilities. There's just so many other things that now are are fitting there that need right. attention. You have chronic and, sleep deprivation. <laughs> right, there we go. <laughs> that that is a big struggle of mine is staying connected, staying motivated. And I will even add finding meaning. There are many times where I am like, I know I found meaning in this, whatever ritual, mitzvah, observance, but this is not feeling meaningful to me anymore. And sometimes that scares me. I'm being a little raw here. Mm, No, but (laughs) it scares me sometimes. It's like, why? It's just, I'm not feeling it. You know, does it mean that there's no meaning there? No, it's more me. It's, it's, I have to work harder to make this more, um, to feel more connected to whatever it is that, that I'm not feeling at that moment. From what I understand from conversations I've had with friends, it's so normal. And I remember back when I was in seminary that Rabbi Shalkovsky, the manal of um, Neve Yerushalayim, where I went to seminary, he had said that there's going to be times when you don't feel connected to davening, but you still should daven. That way, when you are in a place where you're feeling more inspired, like your muscles have an atrophied, so to speak. So number three, when you're out there in the outside world, in whatever capacity, what about being an observant Jewish woman makes you beam with pride? Wow. It, you know, talking about like when we're out there in the outside world, I mean, I'm thinking about like when you're walking in the mall, you know, <laughs> like no matter how, right. how cute you're dressed, like you're still different. You're still making a statement to the world that like we yeah. follow a different set of laws. We follow different standards. I'm very conscious of that as a firm person, you know, um, that, I'm never going to blend in. I don't even see that necessarily as a value that I need to blend in. Like, I guess it's sort of leading me to really a pride that I have about Sneas. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really do feel, I feel privileged, honestly. I feel like it's an honor. It's a badge of honor for a Jewish woman um, yeah. to, to dress Sneasly, to, to let her inner self shine. And you know, you know those women where it's like you see them who are just, beautiful inside and out and and due to their beautiful composure and you know they're following halacha and following the guidelines of sinus it's like they have there's like a special shine to them it's like their inner essence like really shines forth right and when you yeah when you see it and people like you, you can't even put it in words you know it like they you know and, and right. i it's, think all of us it's have pain. it to, it's to an extent. yes yeah, exactly. and it's on a spiritual level i think i agree um and I, I'm proud of that. And I may not always, you know, I'm, right today I'm wearing a sweatshirt and a black slinky skirt and my Nikes, you know what I mean? I don't know how I'm feeling it. Um, but, you know, it doesn't mean I have to look gorgeous to feel it. It's not about what I'm wearing. It's about my intention and my belief that always goes with me no matter where I am, that I'm not going to let my body be the first thing that people see and be um, the focus of who I am. And I think Beautiful. there's a lot to be proud about with our belief and our practice of, of dressing seriously. Absolutely. Number four, bio blurb version of yourself versus reality. So what is something that people wouldn't guess about you based on how you present to the public? Okay. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, dish, dish, dish. Seriously. Okay, so I'm going to go with like the writing writing persona. Um, actually, this is sort of funny. 
<laughs> a year or two ago, I literally had this experience. It was a year and a half ago. It was right before lockdown. I went to New York for a mishpacha, um, a mishpacha. And you remember this, remember, this yeah, whole debate if I'm going or not. Yeah, mishpacha I remember. Come, yeah. They come in every year. Um, my editor, Shana Freeman, who is the managing editor of the magazine, and they put on a beautiful dinner um, in Brooklyn for you know, all the writers to come and to meet and to schmooze and just camaraderie and there's gifts. I, I, it's, it's a beautiful, it sounds beautiful absolutely delightful. Yeah. Really delightful. You could come too, Rifki. <laughs> <laughs> Next time we'll go together. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> We're going to go. I loved it. But you know, of course, like my picture's on the website. So if anyone really wanted to know, they could see the website. And I think actually that website was recently launched. So not People hadn't, you didn't know what I looked like, but they knew my name. Right. So, it, which is bizarre because, like, I'm going to meet people and they're like, oh, you're Alexandra Fletcher. And I'm like, <laughs> totally, like, oh, this is so weird. <laughs> anyway, so one of the writers who will remain nameless was like, oh, you were Alexandra Fletcher. And I'm like, mm-hmm. And she's like, I totally didn't imagine you that you would look like this. And I'm like, what? She's like, I just, this is really embarrassing. <laughs> she's like, I thought you were like the totally like brainy, nerdy type because you're so smart. Backing <laughs> <laughs> up. And I'm oh like, I don't gosh. know, is that a compliment? I like really, I guess she's trying to say that like, I don't even know what she was trying to say, but I she said you look gorgeous and polished and put together. <laughs> and that smart people can't look like that. I don't know what the takeaway is. That's the weird part about it. It's like smart. Not that I, I don't even think I'm smart. I think I'm a good writer. Honestly, like that's a skill set of mine, but I'm not like smart and nerdy, you know, which is just, I guess I present that way. Okay. So I totally smashed her expectations, but that's I'll just funny. leave, I'll leave. That's the answer. So final question, closing off. Okay. What do you deep down truly strive for in life? Mm. What is something that you really want, even if it's not attainable for whatever reason? Like the sky's the limit. I really want a lot of things. And I don't mean things, physical things. Like I want for everyone in my family, including myself, including all of my children to excel and accomplish. Mm, But on one hand, I want like you know, my 12th grade son is graduating now, you know, from, from Yeshiva. And I, like, I want that he has like a wonderful relationship with his Urbayan that he does and learning, which he has. But like, I also am like, oh, I wish he had, um, you know, more sports or extracurricular activities where he could identify and explore his talents or, Mm -hmm. you know, more secular education, you know, more exposure to literature. I'm an English teacher, you know, and of course, of course. Yeah. And and I'm not bashing his school. He's in a, he's in a yeshiva with a, with a pretty strong general studies department. It's, it's like, there's no yeshiva that like exists with like excellence in general studies plus excellence. So it just doesn't exist. Right. So, but I'm that kind of person. I want it all. I so, <laughs> so, I, I so relate. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do. <But> it's very <laughs> hard. So you can't have it all and you have to choose. So I do that, but I'm constantly like, but then I've come to the point now, like hitting almost 20 years of marriage where it's like, I've just given up. So like, while I may want, wish my certain of my younger children has certain extracurricular activities. It's just all like two of them. So nobody has any extracurricular activities. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I, I want everything. I, I also wish we lived in Israel and my kids lived a more simple lifestyle and we were yeah. out running in the fields and like yeah. exploring like, the, you know, all of the... Harvesting your own olives from your own olive Harvesting trees. my own yeah, olives, yeah. wearing they out and headscarves. But I also love Manhattan and I want <laughs> it. <laughs> it's all, I strive for lots of things and I try to at least grab one thing, you know, when that can't, that um, toy machine in the arcade, I just go dive in and hope well at least one thing sticks I can exactly (laughs) (laughs) that you don't end up with the empty claw exactly (laughs) okay are you ready Rifki I am ready (laughs) (laughs) so I'm gonna start with number one tell me about one major decision you made in your life and how you arrived at that decision Okay, so people who know my background can probably see this answer coming from a mile away. But mm-hmm. the obvious answer is converting to Judaism. Oh, I know. <laughs> it, like how I arrived at that decision. Well, that's a whole that's a whole speech. But um, the the long and short of it is that why why would any person like change their entire life over into pursuit of you know a I wasn't even religious you know at the time <laughs> when I was like looking into Judaism. And it was a whole story of Hashkafa Pratis. It's I've written about it, you know, on JewInTheCity.com and in, you know, Mishpacha and stuff. So like you can, whatever people can find it, maybe we can put a link. Really, I was so impressed with how Judaism provided this incredible structure for what I saw was the ability to live the most meaningful life possible. Like that's how I, I saw it. I was like, this is the syllabus for life, you know, like this is exactly how to do everything. Like the joy, how to behave at a wedding, like how to do, how to do a wedding, how to do joy, how to celebrate having a baby. And also mm-hmm. how to deal with all of the hard parts in life, you know, about death and loss and finding meaning in the challenges and the struggles. So that it wasn't just like struggle and pain with like just struggle and pain, but it was struggle and pain with like a, a undercurrent of meaning and guidance on how to deal with the tough things in life. Like I remember thinking to myself, this is amazing. Everything in Judaism is amazing. And then when my kids go through hard things in their life, I will be able to give them these tools. They will have these tools and they will be able to deal with it better than I was able to deal with it. Wow. I, I never really thought about it. I mean, you hear this like Judaism is a tool book, but tools for life. I, I never really thought of it this way. I mean, this is, it's beautiful. Yeah, it was it really um, very profoundly affected me so much that I, you know, obviously changed my entire <laughs> life around and became Jewish. Amazing. <laughs> well, that's actually interesting. The next question is, you know, obviously you're coming into this with such passion, with such commitment, with such freshness. Do you struggle? I'm, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's even the of first course. question. Do you struggle? Okay, fine. <laughs> of you course, struggle? of course. You're normal? <laughs> What's something? Let's, let's hear. What is something that you struggle with in Yiddish I think the thing that I found like the most, I guess, definitive struggle would be um, integrating my past life and my past values and my loves and all of those things and integrating it into my current from life. So like a lot Hmm. of people who became religious later in life or whatever, however you want to describe it, like I threw everything out. Like I threw out, like I didn't really, I didn't have any concept of like, you could layer tops with a shell underneath. I threw out all my super cute tank tops, all of my super oh, cute short sleeve, like everything. I, I had a whole beautiful collection of vinyl records. Trafe, throw them out. Wow. You know, like I, I, I got rid of everything. I was so extreme. You could have sold, did you sell them? Oh no, that would have been too sensible. I was like, get them out. Oh, my I don't gosh. even know what I did with them. And Oh my but, gosh. Right. So I like really went, you know, like, 
hardcore. Full speed ahead. Yeah. yeah, which, you know, obviously no one recommends. And like all the Balachuva seminaries were like, don't go too fast. But when it comes to like conversion, it's different. Because I felt like I had to yeah. prove to the based in that I was going to be like the best possible Jew ever, you know. <laughs> and so like in my interpretation of that concept, like I... I just was like, wanted to distance myself as much as possible from who I was and then show them who I could be, which obviously like, I don't want to get into the whole, like, you know, mental yeah. emotional ramifications of that, but fine. So but, I, but can I, I just add, I, I just have to say, yeah, we can't, I can't judge that experience. <laughs> no one can judge that. <laughs> Only a convert could possibly relate and understand that. So, yes, yeah, so I think it was just really like it's the, the next 15 years, you know, the past 15 years have been spent me then kind of sifting through and saying, well, this is really kosher. I can keep this part of my past and this mm. is fine. And this one does need to kind of stay, you know, but mm-hmm. um, to kind of find that balance between the things that I appreciate. I mean, I had a wonderful childhood. So there's many things and values that I do appreciate. And so kind of finding the balance between, you know, the zeal and the, the ardor of like first converting and then settling into the hashkafa that I am now, which is not as far to the right as it, I was when I was first converting. And so that's the biggest struggle is just finding who my authentic self is when I have been through like so many different lifestyles in my life. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah. And I do wonder for our FFB listeners, I'm not FFB myself, you know, we became religious when I was 12, but I wonder if any of this resonates as a, as a journey or experience that FFBs have. I, I wonder if anyone who's ever experienced any kind of growth, right? Exactly. Like, right. It doesn't it's have to be that to converts. Were, yeah, right. exactly. Like you're just trying to figure out, like maybe you went through a state, like someone went through a rebellious stage, but yes. then they actually realize, wait, maybe I could take out some of the stuff that I was doing that I could integrate into my, from life, but it's not so bad. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. I, it's yeah. really fascinating. Okay. Exactly. Well, considering your background, I'm really intrigued to hear your answer to the next question. <laughs> when, when you're out there in the outside world, which you could, I wonder if even you even think that's like my past life. You know what I mean? I used to be at the street sure. restaurant, right? Yeah. Wow. Sure. That's sort of weird. It's like your old, totally your weird. old life. Yeah. It's like an out-of-body experience sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so what about being an observant Jewish woman makes you beam with pride? Uh, so I think that, um, the thing that I find most like obvious, like in my face, like when I'm interacting, you know, with the outside world in any way, shape or form, like my, 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 my immediate family, notwithstanding, but like people who I don't know, right. well, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I am so proud of is the way that we as like from Yiddin take so much care in the way that we speak in mm. like the language that we use, the topics that we don't talk about the, the, you know, just as far as like, we don't gossip, we don't trash people, you know, there's a general kind of just menschlichkeit. Mm-hmm to the way that we talk, you know, because of all of our extensive, extensive loss of Shmir, Shmir Selesha. Amazing. Amazing. You know, and I have found, it's so interesting when I've had like phone conversations or just like, you know, small talk conversations with people outside of the firm world. I like, I can't even tell you how quickly like gossip or like trashing people or talking bad about people or groups of mm-hmm. people or things like that comes up so often, like so quick into like a, like a relationship with someone. I've always been so surprised. I'm like, Oh, we're talking about this now. So interesting. Okay. (laughs) And um, it just made me appreciate all the more that in our community is like that kind of, I mean, listen, we're all working on ourselves. No one is perfect. We can all, you know, 
do better sometimes in this area. I'm talking to myself, sure. <laughs> but, yeah. but generally speaking, I found that there's just kind of like a, a heightened level of discourse, um, among from people at that. And the fact that I've noticed that in the film community, there's such a emphasis on growth and on personal development mm-hmm. and of constant improving and striving to improve that I always find just, I'm just so proud to be part of a community that is constantly seeking to improve itself and to behave with dignity and class. Ah, beautiful. It is so true. And I think anyone who's had that experience, people maybe who were more sheltered and then went into the workforce. I know my husband was in yeshiva and then he went to medical school and <laughs> a lot of his camaraderie, you know, um, you know, in Nary Yisrael, there are a lot of guys that will, you know, do that together. And, and I remember them discussing like, oh my gosh, you go in, into like the medical fields and like the language, you know, like how yeah. people taught like it's so normal and like when they're coming from the base measures to that like you realize like whoa we have something very very different right and I'm gonna add to you know we were talking about Sineas I mean that's a whole other thing like what what we talk about as friends you know like we don't you know generally like we're not talking about inappropriate stuff or making inappropriate jokes that is such a part of the secular world right oh so such a huge part so your bio blurb version of yourself versus reality, what is something that people want to guess about you based on how you present to the public? Oh, so bio blurbs always feel so fake to me when I have to write them. I'm always, I'm always <laughs> dreading it. I'm like, ugh, this is not who I am. I'm like, I can't. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so I like um, Rabbi David Vyshevkin has a great approach to bio blurbs where he has in his Twitter bio um, rejected from many prestigious um, awards and uh, institutions. Yeah, I love yeah. that. And I really, I, I appreciate that. And I relate to it uh, on, a level, on, a, on a deep level because um, I, you know, I majored in classical music and clarinet performance in my bachelor's. And I had intended to go on and get a master's in clarinet performance because you can't do anything with a bachelor's in clarinet performance. And wow. I didn't get into any of my graduate school choices and I had applied to like three very top tier schools. I didn't get into any of them. And I was like, Oh, so it was obviously wow. very, very devastating at the time. I wrote a lot of bad poetry and, um, <laughs> <laughs> but in the, you know, in hindsight, it was a catalyst for me being able to look into Judaism. Like, I don't know if I would have you know, found Judaism if I had been busy on the track to get my master's and potentially a doctorate in music. So I was kind of in this lull of my life. And that's when the Hishkacha led me to Yiddishkeit. Amazing. So, right? What a story. Uh, I know. I never this. Oh, oh <laughs> here, here you're having it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But, <laughs> but at the time I was devastated and, you know, that even though now in hindsight, I can see the Hishkacha of it and I can see how it was really a huge bracha, but it really seriously undermined my, um, self-esteem for a very long time because like I felt like such a fraud whenever I would Mm. like get uh, an award or I would like present myself as like you know a a trained classical musician I'd be like I'm a trained classical musician but also a fraud (laughs) off the whole academic system this is garbage and you're probably like I'm not must not be that good right of course that's what I can't imagine of course that's what I thought it was and it, this kind of um, insecurity leaked into a lot of, like, you know, it just contributed to the imposter syndrome of like, mm. I'm a writer and I get paid for writing, but am I really allowed to call myself a writer? 
you know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> all of these, you know, these things. So um, that's something that I always wish people would know, like, you know, with this bio blurb, you know, and with any success and any award and any whatever public publication or whatever, there's always like this little like ball of insecurity just kind of like simmering under the surface. Mm-hmm. And just like that feeling of, you know, I didn't go to a fancy college. I don't have a degree from like a, a brand name institution and, and all of those things and mm-hmm. how like all these little these little things can undermine confidence, but like, really, like, what does any of it mean? You know what I mean? Right. It's, exactly. So it's like really what you've what achieved today. Yeah. Look what you've achieved today. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. Something else that people may not guess is that I actually really love, um, I really love being a homemaker and I love being a stay at home mom. And I oh. find, I find a lot of satisfaction in domestic tasks and oh. I feel like, Right. But I feel like it's not anything that anyone would ever like want to see on a bio blurb. She really gets satisfaction out of a folded basket of laundry. Like, uh, <laughs> like, you know, I can feel people's eyes glaze over, like who wants to relate to that, you know, but like, Aww. I do, I find it very satisfying. So I just want to give a shout out to anyone who also yes. keeping house satisfying. It's okay. <laughs> I think there needs to be a movement to embrace and to celebrate, right? Celebrate yeah. this part of womanhood. There needs to be some like movie made where everyone's like, oh, I want to do this be a stay-at-home mom and dot make stay-at-home moms look crazy. Right. I, I think know, there's so much has, beauty in it. And not everyone has the 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 choice. And like I I, I understand that, yeah. you know. But like, well, let me rephrase that. I don't yeah. mean stay-at-home mom because I was just thinking about you, but I mean yeah. like you said, like like taking care of your family, taking care of your house, like the domestic aspects of womanhood. Again, oh, maybe I'm getting into hot water. Not every woman <laughs> has to has to be domestic. Right. The and husbands well, can do it too. And I, I feel you know like that's I mean? the, but I feel like that's the thing. It's but like, that's the worry. That's the concern there. Right. You know that it's you know it's I feel like it's it's more it's more trendy and it's more uh, popular just to like you know be like ugh dinner ugh laundry ugh ugh ugh. Yeah. And I hear that too, and I validate it. I don't think everyone has to like it. I just think that there shouldn't be any shame and actually liking it either mm-hmm. that's it that's all okay well we got to re re rewrite your your blurb I, th- I think there's a way <laughs> we can include all of these things <laughs> i'll get on it <laughs> yeah 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 what do you repeat deep down truly strive for in life what is something that you really want even if it's not even if it's not attainable for whatever reason World peace. I want world peace. Ah, wow. You are a hippie, girl. <laughs> oh, you don't even know. Kumbaya. That's like, I just want everyone to sit and hold hands, show me together, and sing Kumbaya. Like, you know, like, I just want everyone to get along. Like, I hate when people are fighting with each other. And I just feel like it would be so nice if everyone could interact, you know, Bashalom, like neighbors, family members, if we could all have like inner peace and get rid of our inner conflict. And then like, the internet would only be full of people like doing nice things and there would never be these like, you know, snarky takedowns mm-hmm. and no be judging anyone else for like their choices based on something that they read on the internet. And I just, feel, I just feel like it would be so nice. I have to start with my own children so they don't stop, you know, they could stop yeah, right. with each other endlessly and you know, whatever. And like, but no, but really, I just feel like to have some like increase in harmony in general, like mm. if I could find a way to make that happen, like that would be mm. I'd be happy. Well, I love how you're responding to this in such a global perspective, not just like what you personally want. Like you realize <laughs> that, oh, but the conflict is the root of so many problems. It is. Right? Yeah. Like worldwide and personal, like Correct. families, all of this. It's all about conflict. Yeah, it is, you know, but it's a lifelong, I feel like it's a lifelong, and that's Torah also. Like we learn to 
you know, when we learn and grow and work on ourselves and our own mitos, then that helps reduce conflict, you know? Mm-hmm. True. It's, it's, uh, a lifelong, it's a lifelong thing. So, But it's back to your first question, which is Torah as providing those tools. That's right. <laughs> so full circle. We planned it this way. <laughs> okay. Um, our next segment of the episode today is our five questions. And we realized it would not make any sense to bring another normal for a moment on. We are going to focus again on ourselves, but not because we are just so egocentric. Honestly, I've always wondered how I would answer the five questions. Same. Yes. <laughs> okay, good. And I've wondered what you would, especially the dishes in the sink. So let's go straight to it. Rifki, can you fall asleep with the dishes in your sink? Boy, can I. <laughs> I have never had problems with this. Like the opposite. Like I've been, I think a little bit too comfortable with this one. <laughs> yes. But um, yes, I actually, I have no problem with it. It's totally fine. But I do like when I am able to, I like being able to do it because it just makes my morning so much more smooth. But if I don't get to it, like I, I don't lose any sleep. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Awesome. What is your favorite mitzvah and why? So I'm laughing because we already talked about this a little bit um, in our answers above, but my favorite mitzvah when I was thinking about it is actually Tznius for mm. some of the, yeah, for some of the reasons that you yourself said, you know, um, I love that it gives like this kind of boundaries between what is private and what is public and what is for, you know, consumption just within, um, you know, my own relationship with, with Hashem, or my relationship with my husband, you know, as far as like what he can see, what we talk about, you know, what I share with my family, what I share with my friends and what I share with the wider world. And that there is a, you know, that idea of there are some things that are just not for public consumption. Mm. And then that, mm-hmm. and then, and that makes it precious and it makes it holy, you know, when there are things mm. that are just for certain relationships. What do you do to recharge? So I sleep. I love sleeping. I love napping. Mm-hmm. Um, I like reading books for relaxation. Um, obviously, we've talked about my Candy Crush preference, but I, I find reading a book is more relaxing than playing Candy Crush because I get competitive. And then um, also taking a walk, just going and taking a walk just around the block, like a short mm-hmm. walk, I find very, mm-hmm. re- very refreshing. Beautiful. Tell me, Rifki, what do you love about yourself? This is a tricky one to answer. Mm. Um, I'm going to say that I love my agreeability. I don't know if that's really a word, but I'm making it Mm. a word. I think it is. (laughs) So I like how when I'm meeting someone for the first time or when I'm uh, interacting with people, friends, family, acquaintances, like my innate tendency is to look for points of where I agree with them, points of connection, points where we're the same. And I find like it just makes like I like connecting to people and I like agreeing with them. And it's, it goes back to that. You know, I like people to be um, in peaceful relationship to each other. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. What do you think the firm world needs more of? So I think that the firm world could do more um, appreciation for how awesome it is. Mm. Uh, I think that there's like a human tendency to view the grass as greener and to look at the the dysfunction and the things that aren't working so well. And yeah, of course, like in any society and in any subculture, there's going to be things that need improvement and things that don't maybe work so well and things that could be better. But I think there's so much beauty and wholesomeness and just things to be proud of in like from life and in our amazing Masora and in Yiddishkeit and in living according to like, you know, Torah. I think that we could do more reflection on how amazing it is and how fortunate we are 
and also work on improving the stuff, but not necessarily focusing just on the stuff that we don't like, but on all of the amazing things there are to appreciate. Okay. So Alex, it's your turn. Yeah. Can you fall asleep with dishes in the sink? Oh, yes, I can. <laughs> oy vey, oy um, Yeah. I mean, listen, this question sounds very like throwaway silly, but um, I'll hear a lot of women who were like, oh, I, my first, when I first got married, I never would. Or it's like below, people think it's like below me or it's some s- sign of like, oh, you have terrible domestic skills or some <laughs> weak, moral weakness if you fall asleep with <laughs> dishes in your sink. And I refuse to allow that to indicate anything about me other than the That's fact great. that I prioritize my sleep. What's your favorite mitzvah and why? Mm. Wow. Okay. So I thought, I was thinking just now, actually, as you were speaking, it's a little random. I'm going to say kosherous. I'm going to tell you why. Um, You know, we're talking before I was mentioning before about like not finding meaning sometimes in things that felt meaningful to me in the past. And I'm Mm -hmm. not going to lie. I'm not, that does, I'm going to be honest here. Like you mentioned about the davening, like you don't feel meaning in it and it's going to be very easy to make that slip you know, and not mm-hmm. Davin because it's sort of like, well, there are so many other things, right? For example. Right. right. And I think if we're all honest with ourselves, there are things in our observance that maybe we have let slip and maybe we don't do anymore, right? Or mm-hmm. we do, and again, that may sound heretical and I apologize. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean that like, I don't keep Shabbos in it, but I think there are little things that we may not be as careful about as we once were. Right, exactly. But why I'm saying cautious is, that is something that I could never imagine ever like slipping up on. Like, could you ever imagine being like, mm. I mean, again, I apologize if this, if people do struggle with this, but for me, I could never imagine being like, oh, that um, ice cream looks really good, you know? And I think I'm just going to go and buy it because <laughs> it looks really good and I want right. to get it and I'm going to slip. So for me, I think conscious is just like one of those mitzvahs that, it's just like, I will like always be strong about, like I, it's just a symbol of like my commitment to Yiddishkeit and it, it, it couldn't cross my mind to go and eat treats. I wouldn't, I would never think of it. I mean, it's a shop. I mean, it should always be that way. I mean, have I completely horrified you? No, it's beautiful. I think it's fantastic. I just, I love that you pick Kashrus. It is, it is random, but I think that it's like, it's such like a fundamental, like cornerstone, mitzvah, you know, exactly. That's how it feels to me. What do you do to recharge? If I need to take a nap, I will take a nap if I have that luxury. Um, Sleep is like very important for me. And I feel the effects of lack of sleep. Like even if I go to bed, like, you know, too late, an hour too late, I, it really impacts me. So yeah, I I think sleep. Oh, and I love nature. I love nature. Like in Cleveland, we have, in Ohio, we have just beautiful opportunities to like be out there in the woods. And like, I just find being in nature is so restorative. Yeah, I'm so happy the weather is finally getting nice mm-hmm. now. So what do you love about yourself? Um, I love about myself that, like, if I believe in something, I'm a passionate supporter and I'm a passionate believer. So, and I think that drives a lot of the projects that I've been involved with is like, you know, whether it was with a friend or a colleague where we'll have, we'll be like-minded about something, we'll share a passion and like, I will be all in. Like, I believe in something. I'm there for you. I'm there to support it. I'm there to be your poster girl, you know? And it's, I think it has to do with just, um, like a certain strong will, vision, passion that is part of my personality. Oh, absolutely. I can totally see that. I really like that you picked that for yourself. Okay. Last question. 
What do you think the firm world needs more of? Um, you know, once I was involved in a project uh, trying to sort of affect change in a certain area in the firm community. And um, one Rav said that make, changing things in the Orthodox community in the firm world is like trying to turn an aircraft carrier. Oh. And it, it's, it's very slow, very delicate process. And there are very good reasons for that. <laughs> and there's a lot of history as to why that is that way. Um, nonetheless, because of that, and because it's so complicated to change things, um, and because some things shouldn't be touched with a 10-foot pole in terms of changing, <laughs> um, there's a general attitude and wariness of change. And I'm going to use the word improvement because mm -hmm. um, I'm very much that kind of person where, like, you know, whether it's that critical eye seeing something that's wrong, but not like wallowing and complaining about it. I'm very much like, oh, well, how can we make this better? How can we improve it? Exactly. And, and that, that may mean change. But um, because of this history, even sometimes improving things um, comes with um, a, a very cautionary stance. And I wonder how, as a firm community, when we see things that need changing, um, improving, I'm going to take the way changing away, improving, how can we more embrace that without being afraid? Beautiful. Oh, I like that. To, yeah. to view like um, improvement, not as a threat, but as exactly. you know, an improvement. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Here's this episode's takeaway. When you get to know a person better, you realize that you can look at someone and typecast them, but you really have no idea of their whole world and story. Knowledge about a person breeds compassion and understanding. We want to try to acknowledge that every person is a universe and that what I see about a person really is just scratching the surface. Every person is complex due to all the various factors from genes to life experiences that form who he or she is. Thank you so much for listening today. Have you rated and reviewed Normal From Women yet? Alex and I would so appreciate it if you would take a minute to do that. Our growth as a new podcast is helped along by people who take the time to rate and review. So thanks to those of you who already have done it. And if you have any suggestions, feedback, or just want to say hi, you know, you can email us at normalfromwomen at gmail.com. If you're enjoying our episodes and you're on social media, follow us at Normal From Women on Facebook and Instagram for some more great content. See you next episode.